Hello, welcome to Blake's Pod. It's Monday the 12th of August. Joining me once again to talk about the Blades, it's Andrew from Roy's View From. How are you doing, Paul? I'm doing very well, especially after the weekend. Yes, we're off. The Blades are off. First goal, first point. And uh, yeah, we're obviously a, a couple of days removed from it now, but I'm still uh, I'm still pretty giddy from it. It was it was a, a extremely nice moment for Sharp to uh, to be the one to get the goal as well that gets our season started. Did you Sharp? realize he'd scored? By the way, did you? In terms of what? Well, I was just jumping around and I turned around and I saw it. I saw it was Sharp, and it obviously added to the the joy. Do you know? I've I've thought about that. I've like replayed it a bit and I, I think I just now assume that it is sharp until it's like <laughs> confirmed otherwise. Like, I think even if he'd not been on the pitch I would have been, immediately thought it was him. So Yeah. You yeah. got a bet on it, you cash it out, you score. <laughs> exactly. Um and yeah, I mean I, I I think it was only a little bit later that it kind of sunk in just like how how sweet that is that it's him mm. you know you see like his reaction you know running towards the crowd and stuff and you know this look of like just almost childlike disbelief and joy on his face I mean you think all everything he's done in his career and with us over the last few years you know two promotions top scorer for the two seasons that we did get promoted and yeah it just I don't know it just uh it, it just kind of underlined what a great moment it was I think just seeing his reaction yeah I don't I mean one of the great things about this team I think is it's obviously Sheffield manager Sheffield captain you know everyone's so together I'm not sure if something like that will ever happen again with United. Someone who's obviously gone, th- someone at that age coming into the Premier League who's a Sheffield United fan after he- on his third spell as well. He would- yeah. something really sort of romantic about it, weren't they? So yeah, definitely. I, I mean, yeah, I-, I had that exact sort of train of thought just watching his um, uh, his interview on our YouTube channel this morning. Just you know, mm. like yeah, this is this is such heady times in a way. Seeing you know a blade doing this and him being like you know, I was just just desperate to get on the pitch and you know he's saying like how much it means to him to score on his Premier League debut with the Blades and mm. obviously it's his first Premier League goal as well at, um, I think he just made a handful of appearances for Southampton didn't he so yeah 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 it was a great moment but yeah because he gets to be, he gets a lot of stick from the national media as well more than any other probably because he's a well probably our well, most well-known player yeah, I was thinking. Obviously, he's had the Adrian Durham stuff, and people saying, "Oh, they're relying on Billy Sharp, and he's thirty-three now." So there's a lot. There were a lot on that goal. I think a lot of emotions probably came out from him. Yeah, agreed. Um, so yeah, let, let's talk about the game itself then, in in a bit of detail. Obviously, obviously finished one all. I mean, I think uh, obviously our first Premier League game, the last time we were up, was a one-one draw as well um, against Liverpool, and and. I don't think it's a very uh, strong argument, to, or not a difficult argument to make, that that was against a better calibre of opposition against Liverpool. But I feel much more <laughs> uplifted by this one than uh, than that Liverpool game. And I think I think it was the manner in which we played against a pretty decent team. I mean, you mm. know, obviously it's only one one game, so it may turn out that Bournemouth are rubbish, but I, I don't think they will be. I think they'll be pretty comfortable mid table so yeah I, I don't know a lot of I think a lot of positive things to draw out of it but yeah what, what was your sort of thoughts on the um, I guess the game as a whole as like a, a spectacle well I said, I said to my friend I said pretty much what you've just said uh, when we drew with Liverpool I was really proud of the players that day um, because they put everything in but I do remember at the time thinking we can't put that amount of effort in week in week out realistically because we were sort of you know there were last gas tackles and it was like a cup game mm. and I thought we looked far more comfortable uh, in this game. We didn't. If you'd have come into that game, you didn't know which were the team we'd just been promoted. I really don't think you'd be able to pick out. I was surprised at how much possession we had. 
Mm. Uh, into I know they play on the counter a lot more than than other sides, but we were. I thought we looked pretty. I mean, there were a few stray passes and maybe a bit of nerves here and there, but I don't. Th- I don't think we looked any any worse than Bournemouth or any more overawed or anything than Bournemouth. I, I really, I was really. I said when it was one 0 actually that even if we lost one 0 I think there's a lot to take out of this. Yeah, no, I agree. I, th- I think that's a really good way of putting it. It, it felt like we belonged. Um, yeah. And you know, maybe some people will look down their nose and be like, "Well, you only you're only playing Bournemouth," but it's like, "Well, no, no, hang about. Bournemouth are a Premier League team. They're an established mid-table mm-hmm. Premier League team. One of the best managers in in the whole league. And you know, they're progressing in the right direction." It's um, easy to say it because it's Bournemouth. If that were, you know, West Ham, for instance, who I don't know how many points they finished in front of Bournemouth last season, but I wouldn't have thought it were more than ten or something. People would have been going, "Oh my, what? That's a, it's only the name Bournemouth that makes it." You know. Yeah. No, agree. Um, I thought, I mean, if if we're being blunt, it wasn't like an incredible game. I mean, we should no. we should shout out the uh, the conditions, which were pretty not great. Were they? I mean, I think it was like no. sixty mile an hour wind, and yeah, you, you could tell that just you know all the sort of crisp packets blowing across the pitch and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, KFC buckets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was just. Uh, uh, I think it's, it's most evident on, um, I think it's the Shoreham Views vlog, actually. You can, there's a yeah. couple of times you can really hear the wind blowing in like the microphone and stuff. So Yeah, the, the sound comes in and out, doesn't it? Like mm. When we score, it's really loud and really quiet and really loud. Yeah, yeah. so that, that obviously didn't help. But um, yeah, I was having to go at Henderson all game for his goal kicks, and then when it had finished, I realised that that would probably be due to the wind. <laughs> yeah, potentially. So what were you doing? But... <laughs> <laughs> I think... Um, I think it was my brother made this point to me actually, but it felt, I think for most, certainly for the first half, it felt like two teams trying to play on the counter attack a little bit. I mean, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. that is that is Bournemouth's uh, kind of default setup, and that is their strength, and that probably contributed to not an amazing spectacle, I guess. Um, yeah. Bournemouth scored the most goals on the counter last season, um, and also they were, they were the top scorers outside the top six as well, which I hadn't realised before this weekend. I didn't know that. That's what yeah. it is. So, great, you know, really good attack, but pretty uh, can be pretty open at the back, as we kind of mm-hmm. talked about on the last pod. But, yeah, yeah I, I thought it was interesting. They um, they started with three at the back, which is very unusual for them. I don't know if that's something they, you know, if Eddie Howe's kind of working on that for them for this season, or whether they, they genuinely looked at us and were like, we need to change to stop Sheffield United. I mean... <laughs> That, mm. that is a hell of a mark of respect. If uh, if so, I mean, we saw it a few times in the championship last season. Um, uh, Blackburn was the one that definitely springs to mind when they were on that massive unbeaten run, and then they, you know, suddenly went three at the back for the first time ever. So, yeah, yeah I, I think that negated us a little bit, but I think also we were. I mean, because we didn't get our centre backs as forward as often as we'd like, would we? You know, we, you no. know, we were at like our absolute absolute fluent best. But I think, yeah, that was that was partly because they got the three at the back themselves, but also. I guess we were a little wary of what they were trying to do on the counter as well. I think but, you've got to. Be, I mean, they're, they're, as you've said, their biggest strength is the the attack and mainly the pace. I think of the attacker King and Wilson. So I had never expected O'Connell to be in their six yard box whipping balls or anything mm-hmm. like that. I think we played it pretty well, to be fair, tactically. I think so. I mean, I think I think yeah, we did a, a really really good job of shutting them down. I mean, as I said, they scored the most goals outside the top six last season, and all right, they had uh, thirteen shots to eight, but. Um, so excuse me. Yeah, it was thirteen shots to eight, but eight of their thirteen shots were from set plays. You know, they created very, very little from open play. I mean, you know, Henderson only had I think maybe two or three saves to make, and one of them kind of came in the scramble for the goal. The other yeah. one was that um, that long range shot from Billing. Um, yeah. 
yeah, we just did a really, really good job of, of shutting them down. I mean, yeah, Fraser's normally like a massive threat for them, and we can definitely talk about him in a little more detail yeah. uh, <laughs> in a bit. But um, yeah, he was he was quite quite nullified. I thought, which is great to see. Um, one thing that we did do that we kind of dreaded, or, or maybe two things, I suppose. Uh, one, John Lundstrom started the uh, you know the the bit part player from in the championship promotion run. Suddenly, you know, JL7 straight into the midfield <laughs> in our first game in the Premier League for 12 years. And uh, the the dreaded flat three in midfield yes. made a return. What was, uh, I, I guess, what was your feelings when you saw that and then how it kind of panned out? I'm not going to lie, I was deflated when I saw, when I heard that, you know, not just Lundstrom was playing, but the flat three as well. I thought, oh, this, I, I just can't see how this can work. And I think there's an argument to say that we obviously, I think we were obviously, I mean, we were losing, so it's it's a different thing, but we looked better when Freeman came on in terms of an attacking sense, that's that's obvious, but I think I can completely understand why we went for that sort of more of a cautious sort of thing. I didn't think it was going to work as well as it did because I didn't expect us to have the possession that we did. I mean, what, what, what are your thoughts about that? Because it's, um, obviously, like I said, I did think we played better once Freeman came on, but... Yes, yeah, it's, it's whether that is, uh, you know, kind of due to Bournemouth just being like, well, we're one 0 up now. So that's it. Yeah, it's, it's a difficult come at one, us, basically. Yeah. Come at us, and we'll have you on the counter attack. So yeah, I mean, I, I think we, we'll talk about the Palace game um, towards mm. the end of the pod, and I, uh, I think we will probably. I, I, I won't be shocked at all if we go back to our sort of standard formation yeah. in that one. But yeah, I, I was similar. I was a, a little bit disappointed. I mean, I, I kind of been batting around this idea that Lundstrom wasn't actually going to be playing because you know we've just been using him to in pre-season as like a body to rotate other players around but but then there he is and um yeah it i think it it was slightly conservative as as a flat 3 tends to be because you lose you lose the number 10 that's the 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 player that, that yeah. drops back i guess um but no i think it i think it did a job didn't it as an away performance as i said it, it added a lot of solidity you know having having Lundstrom there meant that um you know, Baldock had some cover uh, for whenever uh, Fraser was kind of drifting out to that side, or you know Wilson or King dropping into that position. So, so that definitely helped. And I, I think we also have to say Lundstrom was, I think, arguably one of our better players. To be yeah, honest, I, I, I think he was the most consistent midfielder throughout the game. I think yeah. I mean, Northern Fleck had bits that maybe stood out a little bit more, you know, in, in patches. But I think I don't remember Lundstrom doing much wrong at all. No, definitely not. And that's, I mean, we talked about it, didn't we? Like, he's the player where if he does something wrong, you absolutely notice it. Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because we're all on, like, uh, watching him like a hawk, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I saw a few, you know, a few United accounts had done, like, ma- uh, Man of the Match Twitter polls and uh, Lundstrom had, like, cleaned up. So I, I don't know if those accounts are, like, exclusively followed by the John Lundstrom fan club or something. But, <laughs> but I thought it was quite revealing. But, yeah, he, um, so in the game, we created four big chances. So that's... Uh, what Opta rates as a chance that should reasonably be scored, uh, mm. and Lundstrom created two of them, which is yeah. is very impressive. I mean, there's a good there's a good thing today. I think there's only like uh, five other players that created two big chances this weekend, and it's you know it's a who's who of great attackers. You know, Salah, mm. um, uh, De Bruyne, players like that, and then yeah. you got John Lundstrom on the list as well. <laughs> um, and yeah, they were both you know really really good passes. One inside the first forty seconds, you know that that great clipped through ball over the top from a Goldrick, um, who I don't know. I I don't feel like he should have done better. It was it wasn't a super easy chance the way the ball was bobbling up and uh, and Ramsdale. I think making his Bournemouth debut. 
Yeah, I think that's correct. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Former Blade, Aaron Ramsdale, uh, made a pretty good save. Um, And then the second off, I think it was the same link-up, wasn't it? It was uh, Lundstrom over the top to McGoldrick, and he he fired a shot just wide from outside the box. So, (laughs) yeah, it uh, it it was good from him. I was impressed. I thought a bit... A couple of sort of poor decisions. We had that shot, didn't he, from twenty odd yards? From it. it was like our first corner of the game, I think. Yeah, um, that that was it. That was the way he start. To be fair, that one. Yeah. Yeah, that that that's that's something I'd expect from a new signing. If you know what I mean, of like yeah. somebody trying to write a headline. It's like, hang about, no, 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 no we don't do that. <laughs> we, <laughs> we we keep the ball in these situations. We don't yeah. go attempting a shot from twenty five yards into a massive amount of bodies. So, but yeah, overall. Um, a really good contribution from him. I, it's I don't, almost like Wilder knows what he's doing, isn't it? <laughs> it's almost like that. Yeah, I, I think, I think he will be a horses for courses player. Um, yeah. And I wonder if Besic, who we can also talk about later, I was going to mention this. Yeah, yeah, if, if he replaces him, I think he probably will. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, the the, the least I can say is that uh, he looked like he belonged at this level mm. as, as much as any of our other players did um, and I think the thing with the flat three is we've got a thing against it because it's never really worked for us correct. I, I can't think of a time even the Leeds game I think we were fairly lucky really to get that 1-0 especially in the first half where we got overrun a little bit um, it, it's never really worked for us but with McGoldrick and Robinson up front, I think both can drop deep, can't they? Because they both mm. can play as sort of tens come in. So I've got the theory behind it because yeah. when we're playing Billy Sharp up front, he's not the sort of person who's going to come in and get the ball or even Gary Medine last season or Hogan. But we had two players up front who could be that creative spark. I don't think it quite worked like that, but I think I, I can get definitely get the theory behind it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, what did you think to Robinson? Uh, played about, what did he play, like 75 minutes, I think? Uh, 65 minutes, I believe? Yeah, I think we were decent. I mean, I thought the first half he were better than the second. I thought second he went a little bit quiet. Um, but I thought first half, he obviously got a couple of shots off. Well, the shot obviously with Ramsdale saved. And he's, I, I like his little touches, you know, his little yeah. sort of quick movement. And he's going to get better and better. I've got no qualms that he's going to be probably the first choice striker, even probably above McBurney this season. Mm, yeah, my mistake, sorry, played the full 90 minutes. It was, uh, it was yeah, McGold- it did, McGoldrick yeah, yeah. that came off after 65. I was surprised at that move. I actually thought it would bring Robinson off and put... Uh, and Sorry, yeah, bring Robinson off to bring Billy Sharp on and not McGoldrick, but worked out well, didn't it? So. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, I'm just trying to think some of the... the other, like I say, not, not a great deal happened. Uh, there was a great save from Henderson in the second half um, from that billing shot. And then Henderson was injured, but I think it was just cramped when it looking yeah. at their reaction to it. Um, they went ahead through a free kick that we did not deal with particularly well. Um, yeah. The goals on Sunday crew actually did a good... Uh, old, old Cammy did a good job of breaking this down. But basically, uh, Baldock ends up marking Billing, which is a... I mean, pretty much anyone is a size <laughs> mismatch against Billing because he is an yeah. extremely tall guy. But yeah, I, th- I, I don't know if that's a... A desirable outcome if we get the chance to defend that situation again. And uh, yeah, Billing basically gets away from him, heads it back across. Uh, Ake with an overhead kick, which um, yeah, falls to, I think it falls to Wilson, done it. And Henderson makes a, a smart reaction save, but unfortunately mm-hmm. it comes back to uh, Metham, who, who bundles it in. Um, I, don't, I don't think any. Uh, I mean, if you've been hypercritical of Henderson, you could say, well, you should push that away from goal. But I mean, it's, it's so close. Uh, yeah, um, and it's such a react. It's a split second thing. He's not had any time to think about. It's it. just pure reflexes, mm. isn't it, to keep it out? Yeah. So I I, I say that's a, a good save rather than like, oh, you yeah. could have done better. Um, Metham, did, did you see this? Do you know how many goals he scored in his career? He scored two, and they're both against Sheffield United. 
Yeah. Son of a... Yeah. I actually was... thought he was quite poor. I thought he was probably their poorest player. Yeah, I don't feel like he's done much for them. I think he only signed in January, didn't he? Yeah, that's um, right, yeah. Uh, former Brentford defender, obviously. Um, I, I think, actually, we, we properly burned him last season with uh, Washington and... Um, and Clark, I, think I do remember that, that yeah. Yeah, I do remember that. I think, uh, like I say, I think he was the weak link to a degree. He looked sort of pretty vulnerable against any sort of trickier and a little bit of pace. And I know the Bournemouth fans, I've not added it in the view from because a lot of people don't want to know what they think about Chris Meffin. But <laughs> uh, they, they, they picked him out as well as being like someone who really needs to start improving, otherwise he's going to be out. Because they've obviously got a few injuries, haven't they? So They have, yeah. Um, I just mean, have a look how much he went for, actually. And it were, um, it's going to be undisclosed, disclosed, isn't it? Oh, twelve million. Twelve million. It says a. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah, he's, a, he's only twenty-one, so he, yeah, he's, he's got a long way to develop yet, yeah, or a, a, the potential to develop um, by a long way. But yeah, that was that was just a weird quirk of um, of like that. But yeah, I mean, what did you think to the the goal that we conceded? Any sort of uh, it, it was a bit deflating, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, I hate conceding off set pieces anyway. I think everyone does, don't they? Because you've you've got so much time, unless it's a world in the top corner. Yeah. You've got so much time to prepare for it, and we put all that effort in. Mm. But I did think at the time, maybe that's the difference between the Championship and the Premier League. It were an even game. Mm. They took, they had Basically, that was their first proper, proper chance. I mean, obviously, Anderson pulled a save off, but that would have been a, a, you know, a brilliant goal from yeah. a, a long way out. And I thought, well, maybe that's that, but... Yeah, it's, I, I can't see his... Cons- it, I, I don't feel like Norwich, their defending against Liverpool was abysmal. That was probably the only real mistake that I can think of defensive that we made. So yeah. it's just unfortunate we got punished for it, really. Because that ball could have bounced anywhere once it Henderson could. saved I, I don't feel... I mean, I know I said their ball looks kind of uh, a bit of a mismatch on Billing, but I, d- I don't feel like we fundamentally defended it badly. You know, it's not like we missed a no. header or someone was unmarked or anything like that. Ball that was on Billing, it just you kind of got out-muscled and just sort of... I think his body shape was kind of wrong. He was sort of facing right, away yeah. a little bit, which, you know, it happens. So, um, yeah, I know. It, it was like... <laughs> uh, it was deflating because... It, it kind of felt avoidable, but also it wasn't like, oh, if only we'd, you know, just kicked it clear there, that kind of thing. It's just, mm. you know, couldn't that have just broken to us to just whack it clear, that kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah. that was a bit deflating. Um, let me just see, when did that goal come? That was in the 61st minute. Yeah. Um, and pretty much immediately uh, we made some changes. Um, Bernie came on for McGoldrick, so that kind of... Um, you know, a bit more of an out of an out striker there. I think. Yeah. I think that was going to happen anyway. Well, that change, weren't it? Before. Oh, I think you might be right. Actually, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I did see him in warming up and ready to come on. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I think then a more a more significant change was uh, Freeman comes on for Lundstrom, so obviously moves into uh, more of a sort of uh, a number ten kind of position, and, and he was popping up. Everywhere, free. Yeah, I mean, remind, I, I don't know. I don't want to jump the gun, but you're reminding me of Duffy a lot in that sense. That ex- exactly that. Yeah. No, I was you, reading, go on, sorry. you didn't know where. Sorry, you didn't know where he were going to. He was just in all sorts of positions, but he might have not done some. You know, on people looking at the highlights, might not. He might not stand out in that sense, but just the positions he was picking up were drawing people out, and yeah, I were impressed with his movement. Exactly that. Yeah, I mean. Um... Uh, Blaze Analytics done a good a good article this morning. It's got the um, the Freeman touch map on. He was only on the pitch eleven minutes, but he is basically you know picking up the ball in in those exact Mark Duffy positions. You know that yeah. inside left and right channel, and yeah that that did um, that did help us kind of get into attacking positions much more. Um, the other one was Sharp coming on for Basham, of course, a few minutes later in the eighty third minute. 
So basically, we we went to a back four. Um, yeah. We had three strikers on the pitch in uh, Robinson, McBurney, and Sharp. You got a number ten in Freeman as well. And yeah, we went for it. I, I like I like that. You know, it, it was not um, it was not just chuck an extra body up front and you know start whacking it long. It was like no, no, we're just going to play a really attacking formation now and try and pen you in. And yeah, eventually um, won a free kick ourselves, which was. Uh, Lovely bit of skill from Freeman, uh, flicking it over the defender, who then uh, basically bumped him to the ground. And uh, a nice goal, you have to say. It was a nicely worked set piece, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, the finish was scruffy, but. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the actual the way we worked it, because I think all of us were saying, just get it in. Yeah. <laughs> and then obviously, it was, yeah, well worked. Bad defending from Bournemouth, to be fair. I think, yeah, I think it was. Um, I was, yeah, I am actually really pleased with past it I mean obviously say that because we scored but mm-hmm. I was like oh the wind and we had over yeah. here a few crosses as well and I was just thinking oh it's just going to sail straight into the stand wind's going to catch it but yeah it was clever we you know flooded the box bulldogs out right so we just slipped the ball down the channel and yeah as you say I think I think how will probably say how on earth has bulldog just been allowed to you know basically run free on the edge of our area yeah, um, the Bournemouth players were pointing at him as well mm. which is even weirder they would start you know just say someone get him and they just yeah. left yeah, so I think uh, somebody's going to be having a word with somebody yeah. in training today, probably. But um, yeah, great ball in by Bulldog. Um, McBurney. <laughs> yeah. We should talk about this, because if John Egan is not in the way, then we're pointing at McBurney going, what the hell was that? Cause yeah. He, he basically, uh, yeah, he basically missed a sitter from six yards, if we're, if we're being blunt, on his strong foot. Send him back, yeah. <laughs> Uh, fortunately, it, it whacked into Johnny again, bounces back, and uh, yeah, Sharp's Sharp's never going to miss. The, the, the thing I love about Sharp is whenever he scores, there's never anyone anywhere near him. You can have as many players as you want in the box, <laughs> but he always has three yards of space. It's incredible. It's um, incredible. It's not. It's not a fluke. Everyone looks at his goals five yards out, tapping, tapping, tapping. Mm-hmm. That's not a fluke. And I don't even know if you can teach that. I know it's that's a cliche, but I don't. I don't think you can. No, I don't think you can. That's why there's so few that that have it and are able to do it. And it's such a it's such a unique skill set. And I think it's only in I think it's only in the last couple of years with with what Sharp's done that we've kind of come to appreciate it properly. To be mm-hmm. honest, like you don't need to be ridiculously fast, ridiculously strong, ridiculously skillful. I'm not saying Sharp is not those things, but maybe relative to other forwards, he's you know slightly lacking in some of those mm-hmm. qualities. But you know, if you just have enough of those things and then the incredible intelligence and movement, you know, the ability to just basically run very fast for four yards, <laughs> it's just going to leave you so many goals and that's exactly what we're seeing. Um, yeah, I mean, one thing that statistically I, I really liked uh, from this was uh, we had four big chances in the game, as I mentioned, uh, to Bournemouth's two. Now, if we create four big chances every game, mm. we are going to get a lot of points particularly with the quality of finisher in sharp that we have. So that was very encouraging that we could play kind of conservatively a little bit, but still create really, really good chances. I mean, yeah. you know, we weren't peppering Bournemouth. If there's any um, Bournemouth fans or neutrals listening to this, that's that's not what we do, is it? That's never what we've done. We don't no, 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 no. We See, went... I, I heard, uh, I, know, I, I was watching the game, but my dad was watching uh, Soccer Saturday, and he was saying that Matt Letizia was saying we lacked a little bit of creativity. I think that's a bit unfair. I just think it's the way we play. We don't take pot shots or, you know, we're not really a team who've got a player who can take three people on and put one in the top corner. We, we, we're really measured. We'll only shoot when it's a good goal-scoring opportunity. Yeah, agreed. Um, I want to quickly talk about... Uh, well, let's talk about... Right, 
you know what? I keep calling Adam Fraser. I don't know who Adam Fraser is. <laughs> Ryan Fraser. I tell you yeah. what, if if he keeps this up, he's he's coming out of my fantasy team because uh, yeah. I, I, I said to you, I was trying to write notes down uh, for the game, um, and and I just I don't know how dead bat does it because I just get too caught up in the emotion of the game, and I just looked at my notes after, and one of them was Lundstrom getting forward pretty well, and. Ryan Fraser is a cheating, and I'm not going to say what I, <laughs> what I ended it with. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, uh, well, obviously, um, Bournemouth's goal came from a, a foul on Fraser. I mean, I, I think this was probably a foul, but yeah, it was clever from him. To be fair, it was, but he still basically chucked himself into Stevens <laughs> and, and looked yeah. like an idiot doing it. I mean. I did think we were a little bit. Uh, I don't know if naive might be a bit strong, but you know we committed nineteen fouls in the games in the game to Bournemouth's ten, and there were there was a lot of soft ones. I thought there was a lot of times where it's like, oh, you know, how have we given away a free kick there? You know, we shouldn't be giving away a free kick there. Um, I mean, the big one with Fraser that's kind of. I didn't actually see this watching the game. Maybe you did as well. I'm sure you've seen it on uh, yeah. social media since, but this. This kind of late tackle on Norwood, where I think mm. Norwood's probably lucky he's not injured, assuming he's not. He seems to be playing the rest of the it, game. Yeah, it looks a lot worse. It does look a lot seems, worse. Yeah, uh, did not receive a yellow card. I'm not totally sure it was a free kick either, um, actually. But yeah, he definitely didn't get booked. Yeah, I think did it. Did it not go to VAR? No. Uh, did it not? It, it I think I might be thinking of another tackle actually with that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and this is the thing. So I mean, what, what did you, do you think that should have been a red card? Just. <sighs> I don't. I, I don't know if he's looking at Norwood. In fairness to him, I think he probably is going for the ball, but it is reckless. I, I, I don't think he could have really many complaints of being sent off. But would it have been a bit harsh? I'm not sure. I think you've you've perfectly defined uh, why it was not uh, reviewed, if you like, on VAR. Because mm. um, yeah, having like read quite a bit about this and how the Premier League want to want to use VAR, uh, I think it's. Um, it's minimum disruption, maximum benefit, I think. And basically, you know, they will only overturn something or, or excuse me, they will only advise the referee uh, to change a decision or to look at it again if they think a clear and obvious mistake has been made. Now, right, yeah. Now that should definitely have been a yellow card. I think if the referee yeah. sees that again, he will say, wow, that should, I, I missed that. That should be a yellow card. But unfortunately, VAR is not being used for yellow cards yeah if the VAR had said hang about that is definitely a red card that you've missed there they would have told the ref we think that. yeah and I don't think it was beyond reasonable doubt exactly that yeah I mean but but yeah equally if the ref sends him off for that that's not getting overturned no chance no um, no I, yeah I agree with that as well it's, it's a strange one because I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt despite his antics that I don't think he went in malicious like mm-hmm. I think it was just a poor challenge I think yeah, I think some accidentally. It looks worse because we've kind of slowed it down, so it's split yeah. kind of stuff. But I mean, you know, l- looking at it, uh, when when he starts to make his move to where his foot ends up being, Norwood's leg is actually nowhere near it, and Norwood's mm. like about to kick the ball. So yeah, I I, um, I can see why it wasn't given as a red card. So I, I'm a, you know what, I'm kind of okay with that. Like obviously, I don't want Norwood getting injured, and obviously, I'd love it if the opposition goes down to ten men every week. But yeah, I also don't think you should be like checking every single time the most like bizarre decision for me was the uh free kick at the end yes i know I've, like i've looked at that four or five times now and i'm just what <laughs> I, i've i genuinely rewound it about 12 or 15 times because i was like <laughs> where is it where is this foul i mean 
Apparently, Normal just look bemused, don't they? <laughs> yeah, so apparently it's like from what the referee was kind of gesturing, it's like a pullback on, uh, I don't know if it's Wilson or if it's challenging, but I mean, there just isn't. No, no. <laughs> it just isn't at all. I mean, I think I tweeted this yesterday, like you, you wouldn't get that call in basketball, which is ostensibly <laughs> a non-contact sport. Um, and yeah, I'd be that, furious if that had gone in. I really would have been furious. Oh, I was just, oh, and I was really expecting it to go in as well. Yeah, um, yeah I was watching through my fingers. It was yeah, awful moment. Yeah. Fortunately, Mr. Fraser put it over the bar, so did the right thing. He did, yeah. <laughs> Fraser, he also picked up a booking um, for descent. Apparently, I thought it was for mm. diving actually, but um, it's shown up as descent. So yeah, he had a he had an interesting game. Um, He's clearly I, a very, very, very talented player. I'm not. I've not seen him enough time to say that's his normal game in terms of his antics off the ball, shall we say? But uh, yeah, I think. I mean, he's after a move as well, isn't he? He's. Uh, I don't that's know. Maybe that's not right. Um, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, a good player that we managed to shackle quite effectively. Yeah. I thought. I thought Stevens were fantastic. You talked about him, obviously, giving the foul away. Mm. I think he, out of all the players, he looked like the one who. He almost reminded me of someone we'd signed from a premiership club to give us that. He, he looks mm. so comfortable. I mean, he even nutmegged someone, didn't he, at one oh, point? Oh, yeah, he did. And then, uh, <laughs> he just looks so cool and calm and composed. Yeah, the yeah. the evolution yeah. of his game in the last 12 months is um, is really something. Yeah. I mean, I was one of those. I'm not going to lie. The end of last season saying we need to get, maybe not to get him out of the team, but we need some proper competition mm. for him because he's... He needs pushing. Obviously, Lafferty wasn't good enough, and then and he's, he's probably the well, he's probably the first name on the team sheet now. Realistically, I think so. Yeah, I loved when he was. Um, there was a couple of times he popped up on the right side of the box, and I was like, Yeah, yeah, that? yeah. Oh, yeah. Saying, what is he doing? Yeah. <laughs> Just pretty, pretty standard United uh, United <laughs> strategy these days. Um, yeah. Yeah, is, is there any other uh, any other players you want to kind of just uh, focus on quickly? As I was really worried forms? about John Egan before the game, obviously with the pace and stuff of uh, Bournemouth, and I thought he was excellent. I think he, I think I've just read off uh, Jay that did he win sixteen out of his nineteen duels or something like that? And yeah, I think he was basically flawless. Uh, yeah, he was solid. I mean, again, he was another one who looked like he was an experienced. Premiership defender who knew what he was doing, didn't take any chances. You know, there were a bit where the ball would come in. I don't know if you remember it, where he kicked it out for a throw in, and you could argue that he should have maybe turned and passed it. But he's, that's what he's there for. He's the no nonsense defender out of a lot of them, isn't he? And I think he played that role perfectly. I know, I know exactly the moment you mean. Actually, yeah, I thought that yeah. that was. I, it's so stupid. This is like such a tiny anal thing to get interested in. But like, yeah, the way he was like running towards his goal, I think it was Wilson was pursuing him and you could see him gesturing to Henderson, like, come come out, I'm going to pass this back to you. Yeah. And then he changed his mind and was like, right, we're not faffing about. Yeah. Throw, throw in 40 yards from goal, whatever. And it had right. been easy for him, probably easier for him to try and take a touch, mm-hmm. pass it back or take, and I think it was just the right thing to do. Take. I mean, if they'd have scored off throwing, I'd have been calling him an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. but now, realistically, yeah. I do think that was the right thing. I and mean, I think we need someone like that. No nonsense, just, you know. Yeah, there was, um, he got a good shout out in the uh, the article on Football 365 from, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, oh God, I can't remember his surname. Sebastian Seb. <laughs> yeah, I followed him as well, and I can't remember it as well. <laughs> Let me find that, because it is a good article. Uh, uh, Seb Stafford Blow. I knew it was something Blow. Yep. Um, but yeah, do go and read that on Football365 if you're not, because it uh, it's very very complimentary, but also very interesting as well. But yeah, one of the things he... I think he says that, you know, uh, Egan is essentially quarterbacking the defence, you know, like, mm-hmm. right, you're going... You've gone into attack, so you need to drop in here now, so... Yeah, I thought that was it was a really really good show from him definitely. Um yep. 
I think Norwood got into the game more in the second half as well. I think Wilder uh, alluded to that afterwards, actually, that um, we weren't able to get him on the ball as much as we wanted to in the first half. And yeah. I think his influence definitely grew in the second half. I think um, the last 20 minutes he was dictating things, weren't he, really? Yeah, it's great to see. And yeah, good to see... You know, it's great to see him playing in the Premier League as well. Mm. It looked like he really enjoyed it. We were saying, actually, that he, he had a smile on his face 90% of the time. Yeah, he was, of course, the captain as well. Um, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, it looked... Uh, yeah, I completely agree. There was, you know, I could see him having sort of a couple of chats with the referee in a, a clearly good-natured way because the, mm. the ref was kind of grinning back to him. I think he was kind of asking... What uh, what's being checked on VAR here was, yeah. was the impression I got. So, yeah, that that was nice to see, I think. But, um, yeah, I, th- I feel like this... Oh, yeah, sorry. There was one other thing I just wanted to just mention in this, um, which I, I'm taking from Alan Biggs's article on, uh, on The Athletic this morning. But, um, yeah, we made 10 signings this summer and only one in the starting mm. 11, which was Callum Robinson. Um, obviously, two more <laughs> came on off the sub-bench. But I thought that was... And this is kind of the point he's making in his article, is, is like... You know, we're not. Uh, I guess we're not beholden to the the fees that we've paid for these players, and we will, you know, Wilder will integrate them when we think the moment is right. And it's it's not. I don't think it's like a sentimental thing for the you know like the other oh, players that got us up have earned this uh, earned this chance. I think it's I think it's a sensible thing. It's like well, these guys know the system, and uh, these new players are not quite up to speed on it yet. So yeah. th- this is our strongest hand. I mean that that is the case for Lundstrom essentially. You know, he spent. Yeah. We spent uh, a couple of years getting to know that, but yeah, I thought that was fascinating, and it's it's in stark contrast with you know Fulham just blowing up their whole team last season and being like, right, new signings, just cram them in anywhere. It doesn't. And they went back to the old team at the end, didn't they? <laughs> pretty much, yeah. So I like that a lot. I think it's good for. I think it makes sense on the pitch, but I think it's good. I think we'll evolve as the season. I said, I've said all along that I think we will get better. Whether the results get better, I don't know. But I think in terms of the system and I think the players we brought in are, are improvements from what we've had in most cases. But it's going to take a while for them to get used to the system. And I think the team at the end of the season are probably completely different to the team that played yesterday. But we'll, I think we're doing it in a really sensible way. Yeah, definitely. Um, the bench contrasts quite starkly with... Um, the bench from the last time we played Bournemouth. Did you see this? I, I don't out. think you did actually. I don't know. I don't think I did actually. No. Me, so we, we last played Bournemouth in 2013 um, away. Uh, I was there and we won one nil. We went top mm. of League One. And this was what in February, day. so it wasn't like the first game of the season or anything. I'm just going to read you the bench. Uh, <laughs> Danny Coyne is a goalkeeper. Matt Hill, Daryl Westlake, Callum McFadzian. Diego Di Girolamo, Joe Ironside and Dominic Pollion making up the subs bench. And that was there's only two of them still in league football. Mm, yeah, which is McFadden. Pollion and Pollion, yeah. Yeah, Westlake. Westlake, Westlake no, Westlake's in non-league. It might be only on one Stour Bridge or something, yeah. Oh, McFadden, sorry. He's playing... Uh... Uh, McFadden's at Plymouth? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he scored last week. Uh, yeah. That's right, yeah. Yeah, whereas, yeah, you contrast that now. <laughs> the mm. bench on Saturday, we had a £20 million striker. We had one of the best attacking midfielders in the Championship last season. Uh, we had the record English goalscorer in the 21st century. <laughs> I feel like I've missed a couple of people there as well. Well, the fact that, our, obviously, our hopes are resting on Lyle Mousse, as everyone was saying, you know, the, the, the media and the, the predictions and stuff, and he didn't even make the bench. Squad, yeah. Or Morrison, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, I know. Um, yeah, I mean, that that didn't surprise me, actually, um, with those two, because I think with them playing at Hallam on the Tuesday, 
that kind of signified that they were not going to be used um, yeah. in this one. And this I know there's a few game. worries, aren't there, about Ravel? Um, people were saying, oh, that's it, he's finished, you know, and he's, he's gone off the rails. And <laughs> so it's not far from a crisis, no matter what happens. Are we? <laughs> yeah, no, he's. Uh, I think it'll just be. He'll just get more and more involved in the next few weeks. But yeah, yeah. as soon as as soon as I saw him playing um, against Hallam, I thought that's that's the sign you're not playing on Saturday. Basically, mm. same with. Um, Kieran Freeman as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, but yeah, we're off, mate. We're we're off and running. You know, it's not three points, but it's a a really good first point, first goal, nice storyline. Just kind of continues yeah. the the good feeling, the buzz from the previous season. I mean, I think yeah. One final thing to say about this is, uh, you know, you and I talked about the slow starts under Wilder, and um, <clears throat> I think you know they're not just uh, they're not just evident in the results, but also in the performance. If you look. Yeah, last season, you know, it we ran out of ideas and out of steam against Swansea, and then, you know, that that first half against Borough last season was probably one of the worst forty-five minutes we've we've ever put together under Wilder. I think so. Yeah, yeah we were absolutely on it in this game. You know, we looked like we belonged. Um, and it wasn't like I said; it wasn't just kick and run, running around, you know, lobbing no. tackles in like where we did under Warnock, which were brilliant to watch. Don't get me wrong; in that Liverpool game, but mm. it were composed. We we just looked like we'd been there, didn't we? Like a couple of seasons. Absolutely. Great to see. All right, uh, let's take a quick break and then we will talk about Mark Duffy. Quick break to talk about the Denblades fanzine, who are official sponsor of Blades Pod for this season. Now, if you've not heard of this fanzine, you really should have done. It's a fantastic publication, written, produced, designed, distributed by supporters of the Blades. And inside, you'll find nothing but Blades related content. Story, opinion, irreverence, great design from um, local artists as well, all from a range of extremely talented and creative Blades fans, several of whom have appeared on this very podcast in the past. The Denblades Annual comes in annual and quarterly forms, so these are not articles you're going to find anywhere else, and they also really care about the look and the feel and the longevity of it as well. So great design from local designers, and uh, yeah, it looks absolutely brilliant on your shelves. The annual itself is out now. It's on general sale. It's no longer pre-order. You can buy it right now from denblades.co.uk. And the theme of the annual is away. So it's focused on away days, away games, away kits, going all the way back to the 1899 FA Cup run right up to Stoke away at the end of last season. Um, So yeah, you can pick up your copy of the fanzine from denblades.co.uk. That's demblades.co.uk. And uh, I definitely recommend that you check it out. Now back to the podcast. All right, so we're going to have to bring the mood down a little bit now. So if anyone <laughs> anyone doesn't want to be sad, they can probably skip the next 15 minutes, I suppose. But uh, we're going to talk about some good things as well, I think, just in a slightly um, yeah, slightly melancholy fashion. Uh, Mark Duffy is, uh, well, he's still technically a Sheffield United player, but I think it's fairly clear that he will uh, probably not play for us again unless something very significant changes. Uh, went out to loan, uh, so, excuse me, went out on loan to Stoke City on deadline day for the rest of the season. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously we'd, we'd known, I mean, I'd sort of suggested perhaps he would be staying and I, I kind of, yeah, I was, you know, I was kind of hearing on deadline day, oh, Duffy's staying. And then 15 minutes later, <laughs> James Shields saying, oh, no, Duffy is, is definitely leaving. Um, so yeah, what, what was your feeling when, uh, when this was confirmed, I guess? Well, I think we're all in denial once the squad numbers come out and people are saying, nah, he's, he's still using, you know, he's Wilder's still just, you know, showing him. And... Well, that 21 shirt had not been assigned, had it? Yeah. 
I know, and and as I understand, it almost like left that sort of hope there. But to be honest, I looked at the Stoke result. I've been watching our game, obviously, so I didn't see the other results until after our match, and I just put it on, and I saw that they lost, and I just thought, oh, you idiot, Duffy. You know, you, it must be awful, awful for him seeing his old teammates experience what he should have been experiencing. Because we've been all over the TV, obviously, and he's probably not been able to get away from it. And I'm sure he's happy for the for the lads, but it must be a you know a big part of him thinking, I that could have been me. Yeah, I know. It's it's just I think. The thing with going on loan to Stoke, well, going on loan anywhere really, mm. it's just a lose-lose situation. I mean, we lose. Uh, well, the fans certainly lose a, a fan favourite, a great player, but I, th- I think also the team loses an option as well. I think. Yeah. You know, I think it probably would have been fifty-fifty whether him or Freeman was on the bench and would have come on yesterday if this had never happened. Did um, you see his interview for Stoke? I haven't actually. What, what, he, what he, he just mentioned that the the asking something along the lines of what was the reason behind the move? And he said, well, I don't think I play much in the Premier League. He didn't go into any details. Mm. So, you know, obviously the contract thing has speeded things up, but I, I do think he felt that his chances were going to be limited. But, I, you know, he, he should have been there, really, shouldn't he, on Saturday? Yeah, and obviously he didn't start for Stoke either, which, all right, no. maybe, maybe he'll be starting well, the next I, game. I, looked, I looked on their forum, and, I, and by all accounts, they, uh, they brought him on in a defensive midfield role. They replaced Ryan Woods and had him sort of deep, uh, you know, uh, yeah, which I don't get, and they were very disappointed. To be fair, the Stoke fans, not with Duffy's performance, but the fact that they took Woods off, who were apparently their best player on that on that day, and then brought Duffy on. Mm. Well, this is what I mean about lose lose. I think it's probably lose 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 because Stoke probably won't appreciate him or won't use no. him in the right way. Or yeah, I, I mean, their the fans again. I mean, when, when they signed that, I've just got quotes here where someone said, "This smells of desperation." This signing, never heard of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Sheffield United fans might think he's good, but they've got promotion tinted glasses on. I don't think he's actually <laughs> as good as they say. Yeah, how, how uh, we're now we signing players that we're, we're not deemed good enough for Sheffield United. <laughs> yeah, the, you know, the Premier League, Sheffield United. Yeah, well, to be fair, there is a there is a, other people as well saying someone's put like there's a classic case of collective aloofness in our fan base since we dropped out of the Premier League. You know, mm. sort of a uh, and then sort of like Sheffield United, the most interesting of the of the. Decides that went up. Um, although I am finding it difficult that we have loaned, we're loaning a player from Sheffield United rather than it being the other way around. Indeed, but yeah, it's, it's. I just don't think it's good for for Duffy because he he doesn't get what he wanted, which was a long term contract. You know, he's yeah, yeah. He's in the same situation. Only now he's playing in the Championship and not the Premier League. And all right, if he wants to, I, I'm sure he will play more minutes for Stoke than he would have played for us. Mm. I think that's probably. You know, a certainty. I mean, I still think he could have kind of. I wouldn't have been shocked to see him starting against Palace, for example, um, and you no, know, no. Most, most of the home games. To be honest, if we go to a number ten, particularly, um, you know, at the start of the season. Yeah. But yeah, it's just a it's just a sad way to end. I mean, he tweeted this: "All good things must come to an end. What a journey we had together." Can't thank the players and fans enough for everything. Everything you gave me, memories and friends for life, and. Yeah, it's it's sad. I mean, you know, th- this day was obviously coming. He's he's thirty three, going on thirty four, I think, in a few months. So you know, the end was coming, but um, that doesn't mean we can't be slightly down about it. I think. Um, I've just, just funny enough, you're just talking. I've just uh, I've got Sky in the background, and it's showing you uh, our goal against Leeds a couple of seasons ago. And you know, Brooks's goal, mm-hmm. and Duffy set it out with a, a wonderful Killer little ball, way yeah. through. Just as you're speaking, it was just like sort of <laughs> <laughs> very serendipitous. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, I just want to talk sort of briefly, really, about how significant his contribution was to our rise from, 
you know, to be honest, a, f- a mediocre League One team to a Premier League team. I mean, I, I don't want to, I don't want people to rewrite history on this. You know, I, I don't think we get where we are without Mark Duffy. I mean, obviously, Uh-oh. we don't without Wilder, but you know, I mean, I, I remember that first that first win of that season, twenty sixteen seventeen, and it was, I think, the third time I'd seen Duffy play for us. I mean, I, I didn't remember him playing for any of his previous clubs. And and we were one nil down to Oxford at the time, and obviously you know without a w- that would be I think five games without a win something like that. Yeah. Um, it's just looking at it, I go, this guy has really got it. Like what what a footballer! Like you can just tell the the control, the balance, the awareness. Like this guy looks like a proper baller. Like how have we yeah. managed to get hold of him? Even though we're losing one nil and we're, we're bottom of the league, but <laughs> yeah, as it as it turns out, that's exactly how it proved. I mean, you know, he was just. I don't think. I don't think we've had a player like him in my lifetime. I mean, I, I hope Freeman will be the next one. But you know, it's, it, when you think of the kind of the number ten attacking midfielders, it's usually this kind of kind of wild card player, isn't it? You know, like mm-hmm. a. Uh, I mean, we used to sort of talk a bit disparagingly about them as like a luxury player. You know, like yeah. a plays in a free role. I mean, probably someone like David Ginola is like the the nineties classic version yeah. of that. You know, you just try and feed them the ball and hope that they'll do something. But with Duffy, it's like. No, he, he's like he's key to us keeping possession and and this controlled style of play that we have. And yeah, I don't I don't feel like we've had a player like him in my lifetime that is like really creative, but also is very controlled. He doesn't lose the ball much. He, you know, makes smart decisions and scores goals, creates goals. And yeah, it's I'm I'm sad to see him go definitely, but uh, yeah. so many so many great memories I mean he, I, he was the one on, on the, I've done the view for levels for the last three seasons he's the death by far the, the player that the opposition pick out the most he's always that little blonde lad for them were brilliant in midfield you know I, I, I didn't I have not looked because it would take me hours but I reckon we're talking at least seven or eight times a season the opposition fans have picked Duffy out as being the main you know the main man for us Mm. I mean, it's just a joy to watch. I mean, I, I would. I thought about this, and I think he is the the one player I've enjoyed watching the most. I've, I've just wrote, I've got that written down exactly that that quote. Yeah, out of all the players I've enjoyed from this era, he's the one in terms of a football sense that I've enjoyed watching by far the most. I, I mean, I'd go back my whole United watching time. To be honest, I mean, I started mm-hmm. watching in the sort of mid nineties. Yeah. And I can't remember a player that I've just consistently enjoyed watching over over like a three year period of like I just want him on the pitch all the time and I wanted yeah. to get the ball all the time because good stuff happens or at the very least bad stuff does not happen and uh, yeah it's it's just been it's just been a key cog in it all I mean I I, I think yeah again I don't want to because I mean there's been a, I think there's been a little bit of rewriting of like well you know his time is coming to an end with United anyway which I agree with but. I don't think it's like completely binary of like, well, we're in the Premier League now, so we, you know, his contributions have declined massively. Anyway, I don't think we get promoted unless he gets back in the team at no. the end of last season. Um, he was injured around the the Leeds Bristol City games, but then he, I think he started against Preston. He was coming off an injury um, against Birmingham. He got an assist. Okay, all right, against Millwall, he didn't really do too much. Forrest, he scores the goal that puts us ahead. Mm-hmm. Off the back of that Millwall um, draw and the Sickner, uh, it wasn't directly involved in a goal at Hull, but you know it was, it was kind of a key player in his being three 0 up at half time in that one. And then Ipswich obviously creates the opening goal um, yeah. for with the pass to O'Connell as well. Um, yeah, so 
It's sad. I'm I'm really sad to see I, him go. I think it hit me more than Coots because there's an, there were inevitability about Coots going because Agreed. obviously he's not been playing. In the end, he went even on the bench, and I think we all sort of knew he's not going to get a contract. This Duffy thing has just come out of nowhere, hasn't it? Really? I mean, no, none of us thought we'd be talking. You know, the first day of the season, or Mark Duffy's left. It yeah. Is, yeah, I think it really has come out of nowhere. Definitely, and I don't want to bring the mood down more, but you know, I'm reading Danny Hall's. Uh, we're not going to Wembley don't, don't, book don't. at the minute. <laughs> and there's interviews with Duffy in there, you know, the old... Uh... But the first hundred pages are basically Mark <laughs> Duffy's life story. Like, because everyone <laughs> mentioned him. Oliver Norwood mentions him. Uh, yeah. Obviously, Danny Hall mentions him a lot with, with his writings, the, the fan views and stuff, they all mention him. Then there's an interview with Duffy. So I'm just reading it going, I need to get past this section. <laughs> yeah. Just skip skip to the very end, but that's yeah. not going to <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, it's it's sad. Um, six goals, six assists last season, which was the joint second most assists for us with Ender Stevens, but obviously he wasn't taking set pieces like Nord was. Mm-hmm. Uh, three goals, nine assists the year before. Six goals, nine assists the year before that. So yeah, he was uh, he was a big deal. I mean, obviously we can't we can't move on from this without talking about that goal uh, mm-hmm. for which he he will forever be remembered. I mean. Uh, I, I I can't remember who it was, but I saw somebody re- that I follow on Twitter had replied to his tweet, um, Duffy's tweet that is, and, um, and basically said, you know, Blades will still be talking about that goal in fifty years' time, and and he's absolutely right, they they will. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's simplistic to say this was like a turning point for United and maybe for Wednesday as well. I but think it was. I it definitely, it, was. it definitely helped, didn't it? I mean. I think I said on the first pod that I did with you that I don't think these. I mean, I'm not old enough. You're not old enough for the Boxing Day massacre. So mm. I've not seen a game that has turned the fortunes of the club. I think Wednesday just completely derailed after that. They've not been the same, have they? They've not had the the same sort of. Well, they've had the same arrogance, but not. <laughs> I mean, mm. as a team, they've not had that sort of strut of expecting to be a top six side, and and I think that gave us so much confidence to eventually go top of the league. Uh, and obviously we failed because of the basically squad depth, but that pushed us to a level up. We we can do anything. We've gone to you know Hillsborough, uh, top six side last season, playoffs up final year before. We beat him on their own patch, and it's all about that one goal. Yeah, because I mean I, I you know I, I thought we'd probably lose when it went to two all. I was like, there's only been one winner here, isn't there? You know, you you feel like you've watched enough football games and it's certainly enough enough United games up to that point where you're like, I know where this story is going to end up, yeah. and then. Yeah, Duffy just just ripped it up, and yeah, I think I think you're right. It's like it, it gave us the belief um, of like, well, all right, our, our squad of League One players essentially mm. are better than a lot of Championship players because we play in a certain way. We have individuals who are very talented, and yeah, we we belong in the upper echelons of the Championship, and yeah, we were able to build on that the next year. But yeah, it was it was just such a you know you think back about great. Derby moments, I guess, down the years, and this will definitely, surely, be included in all of them. And it's, yeah, it's, it's certainly the first thing that um, springs to mind whenever I, I think of think of him. And I think yeah. even deep down, Wednesday fans would admit that that was pivotal that game and that goal. Yeah, very. I liked, very I liked deep it actually down. when when he got um, when he was transfer listed or whatever happened. Uh, a few of their fans said, oh, "I've never heard of him." It's like, yeah, you have. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know exactly who he is. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's the one silver lining is that uh, he'll be playing at Hillsborough again next season in, yep. in red and white. How nice is it, by the way? Just a little a little tangent here, but um, how nice is it not to have a derby this season? Oh, I hate him. I hate derby games. Absolutely hate him because I, mean, I don't. I mean, everyone hates him. I think. I, 
I remember the Manchester City Man United game a couple of years ago and uh, Noel Gallagher on Sky Sports. I don't know if you remember that. I don't know why they had him on in the studio. Hmm. But uh, and he said something. He said, "I think every person, when it comes to a derby game, who was involved in it, in terms of supporters, would say, let 'Us take a draw. We'll not play the game. Let's move yeah. on.'" <laughs> That's basically what I was saying last season. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's nice. Uh, you know, we don't have Leeds either, or yeah. you know, if, if further down the scale, I suppose no Barnsley or Rotherham as well. It's like, oh, is it Newcastle? No, 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 it can't be. Who's our derby this year? Probably Man United, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Derby. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So I mean, you have to say there's probably no way back for us for Duffy. It would be a, a remarkable return if no. we. I mean, I don't even know if we have a recall clause. To be honest, it's not going to happen, is it? I mean, if Morrison can't even get on the bench as well, you know, he's, he's, yeah, I can't see it. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's really sad. I, I hope he, you know, I hope he tears it up for Stoke. I hope he, you know, guides them to promotion and, and, yeah, nothing, nothing but good memories of the guy. But at the same time, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a shocker the way it's ended, and it? I just, I just feel really sad for everybody. Really, I think everybody loses out. I mean, if he wants to go and play more football, then, you know, obviously he, he's. He's he's got what he wanted, but I can't imagine uh, he went into contract negotiation slash request thinking, yeah, I want to go on loan to a championship team, and that's yeah. my ideal outcome. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's that's the sad section over. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's quickly tick off uh, deadline day. A couple of incomings as well. Uh, signings number nine and ten for United actually. Mm. Uh, Mo Besic on loan from Everton and it's Michael Verrips, isn't it? Michael, Michael Longfingers, yeah. <laughs> yeah, who's a, uh, a goalkeeper uh, from a Belgian team that I will not attempt to pronounce. Um, yeah. does, does this guy have long fingers? Like, <laughs> I think it was just. A, I think there's one picture going it's around of him it. holding a cup, and it's just sort of the uh, you know the, the the way the camera is. Unless <laughs> we'll see, won't we? I'm sure he'll play a game some certain, in some cup or something this season. So, like Blade's Twitter like really weirdly fascinated with the size. Of his hands. <laughs> I, I'm looking because I've got pretty big hands myself. I'm like, guys just, just got hands. I don't understand it. It's, not that it's, it's quite a, a good a good attribute for a goalkeeper. Um, yeah. I know very very little about this guy. Um, and indeed, very little has been revealed to me on the internet. It seems like not too many other people know about him either, apart from you know fans of his club. I mean, we should probably mention there's a, a small controversy over his signing um, with uh, his former club reporting... Well, I don't know if reporting us to FIFA is correct, but taking it up with FIFA. Um, they are disputing that his contract... Uh, is not terminated and therefore he shouldn't have been able to sign for us on a free transfer. Um, the reason uh, we believe it is terminated is because they're uh, they were found guilty of max match fixing. So yeah, that's basically uh, voided his contract according to um, legal eagles. It seems. Um, I'm just going to assume that we have done our due diligence on that, and uh, you know we're not going to get like relegated to I don't know Scottish Division Two or something like that as extreme punishment. <laughs> But yeah, so um, yeah, what, what what did you manage to gather from uh, um, the, the pages? Yeah, of they don't there? like him uh, not as a not as a player, but for how he's left. They think he's using it as an excuse to get out of their club so he can come to England and obviously get a what's for him like a big money move. Mm. Um, in terms of the goalkeeper thing, but from what I can gather, he came in as a reserve at the start of last season for the, I think it's Melchon is it or like I said I can't pronounce it but and then by the end of it he, he was fully fledged like first choice and one of the best goalkeepers in the league so they definitely I think he's only 22 isn't he as well he's so. only 22 and I thought very significantly would give him a four year deal as well yeah. uh, which suggests to me 
the yeah maybe we're thinking this this could be the guy that um you know takes takes a number one shirt when Henderson inevitably doesn't sign for us in the future yeah um, I, think, I mean I'm not surprised Moore's on the bench yesterday actually but I won't yes. be surprised if uh, Veritz plays in the in a cup games in a league cup maybe or an FA you mm. know FA cup uh, I think we'll see him at some point this season yeah well presumably against Manu at the very least I guess yeah, but yeah I, I, I think yeah. I think you're right I think he. Yeah, I, I would guess that he is the new number two goalkeeper, and that's yeah. kind of why he's brought in. Um, I don't know. We'll see how that one goes, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, I suppose, that, I mean, the League One and League Two teams can still make signings for the next couple of weeks, can't they? Um, yeah, I expect so would, and, you know. I would like to see Dewhurst go out on loan now, I think. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Which is generally what we've done with young goalkeepers in it, with uh, uh, Long and uh, Ramsdale and Eastwood in the past, so... Mm. Yeah, I would I would like to see him go out and get some experience. Um, Mo Besic. So I, I was a bit confused by this because I was, uh, you know, when I saw the rumor, I was like, oh, I don't really see why we'd sign in. We've got like five players for his position, and then I like Googled and it's like defensive midfielder Mo Besic. I was like, oh really? I did not know he was a defensive midfielder. No, I was, exactly I, the same as you in that. Yeah, I, I thought I had him down as a bit, you know, as an attacking sort of play, which I think he can do, and I think he played that he a little bit more in Middlesbrough last season. But he definitely did. Yeah, I think they used him in a more attacking role. He was actually one of their more creative players last season um which yeah. is you know you could say well that's not saying a great deal but um i think it was i think it was 1.8 key passes per 90 which uh duffy was 1.9 it was more than adam reach and someone else whose name escapes me so yeah they used him quite effectively as a, a more dynamic midfielder but yeah the, the word is it sounds like he is quite a sort of a, a tough tackling athlete as well as a good ball player so mm. yeah hopefully hopefully all around package i mean it, it sounds like he's been frozen out a bit at everton is that right yeah he's not played for a couple of years. I don't, he's not trained he's not played in the pre-season uh games with them neither so yeah he's obviously they obviously wanted him off the books uh in some form or another a couple of their fans not happy that they didn't get a fee for him because he's never going to get into their side so they're yeah. a bit despite he's actually only got out on loan the best quote i picked up from him which is interesting i thought was uh someone an everton fan put he's the type of player who can Man mark top players and make their matches quite difficult. I was at the Bosnia Argentina match and Messi was completely kept in check by him until a 90th minute winner because mm. he is Messi and he did exactly the same against Wales uh, with Bale. So, you know, <laughs> if you can do that for us, then yeah. Yeah, no, interesting. I mean, some of the, the the clips that you see of him, it is like him, you know, tracking back, making these great kind of recovery tackles, yeah. progressing the ball at the field. Um, that's interesting. He was on the bench then uh, on Saturday. If he's not really been involved pre-season, I would really surprise him. Though. That's why I thought Ravel might have got on the bench just for yeah. that sort of extra body because obviously he's had more pre-season. But yeah, I suppose he was. A, I suppose he was in there in case if we went one 0 up, maybe he could have been brought on just for a yeah. minutes to. Yeah, true. Isn't it nice having squad depth? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Maybe in three months we'll be like, oh, actually, yeah, all right, we've got squad depth, but perhaps they're not actually that good. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think most of these players probably are quite good from what I've seen. Yeah. Um, all right, let's 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 look ahead then to uh, next week, the first home game. I can't wait. Um, yes. In some ways, a little bit disappointed it's on Sunday uh, and not Saturday because obviously I have to wait a bit longer. But uh, yeah. 2 p.m. kickoff as well, that's... I mean, that's theoretically an hour less in the pub, which is, is never good. But I, mean, <laughs> I suppose you can just go a little bit earlier, can't you? Uh, yeah. Talking, talk about, about Crystal Palace, uh, they drew nil-nil at home to Everton this weekend, um, which I think is quite a good result for them. Um, yeah. I've got a preview with the fella from uh, the Eagles Beak website coming up after this section as well to get a, a proper inside take on how Palace uh, are kind of shaping up. But yeah, I mean... 
I suppose that the the big sort of thing is uh, is Zahar, really, isn't it? I mean, he is he is Palace essentially. Yeah, yeah. I think he, he's the difference between them being a mid-table team and a, a relegation threatened team. And obviously, um, <clears throat> excuse me, handed in a transfer request uh, on or before deadline day, and they basically said, "No, you're not going anywhere." Um, have you have you kind of looked into the Palace fan feeling on this? Yeah, they, they're so worried about the strike force. There's a couple of quotes from put, how the hell can you get positive about Benteke, Wickham and Ayew? Uh, this is the seventh season we've had in the Prem and somehow this is our strike force. And this was a good quote someone put uh, about the Everton game. Everton forwards had a bad game, our strikers have a bad career. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they say, I mean, by the sounds of it, like some, this sort of sums up the feeling. I'll pick this quote out because it sums up what a lot of them were saying is, this all points to another turgid season, especially at home. Uh, us supporters will be served at the same uninspiring performances and a dearth of goals. Don't expect the team to entertain us, just expect them to try and grind out results. And I think that's what they're sort of relying on, especially without Zahar. They they try and keep it tight. They, you know, they're obviously quite explosive with, on the break with Zahar mm. and Townsend. And last season, I think I mentioned it last week, they only won five games at home last season, mm. nine away. So you can sort of tell straight away how they set up. They're not going to be an all-out attack sort of side. They're not going to... I'd be disappointed if they pen us in, for instance, for a, a long period of time. I think they're going to try and soak it up and then hit us. Yeah, their signings are not uh, super inspiring. They're very much Premier League veterans. Uh, one of James McCarthy or James MacArthur signed yeah. for them. Whichever one they didn't already <laughs> well, own. Yeah, yeah, they've got both now, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> and X-Blade Gary Cahill. Also signed just for deadline day as well. Um, good, good Premier League defender. I think entering the twilight. By all accounts, they defended well against Everton. I mean, this, mm. the three of the four defenders weren't regulars last season who they played against uh, Everton. So, yeah. and they were happy that they, you know, stuck stuck at it. And I don't know Everton from what I've seen on the highlights and stuff did miss a, a you know a couple of really decent chances, but. Yeah, they were quite happy. And I think they're going to try and keep it tight all season and then hope that Zahar and Townsend can produce this spark, you know. Yeah, well, that was very successful for them away last season. They obviously Mm -hmm. beat Man City, um, a couple of other big scalps as well. I mean, I think, so Zahar was on the bench and he came on and got a good reception. And Mm -hmm. yeah, my hunch is he will be back in the starting lineup because I, I I think, to be fair, Palace have handled this really well. Like, not only in sticking to their guns and being like, well, look, if you're going to leave, we're going to need me- mega money for you. Um, but at the same time, you know, they're not going to uh, cut off their nose to spite their face, I guess. I mean, I, I think you could say this is... I don't, I, I don't think it's weak management. I think it's pragmatic management. Hodgson knows, without Zahar, they, uh, they are very much going to be struggling, I think. So... They are kind of like they need him in the team, and yeah, I think he'll probably start. And he is kind of their, definitely their key player. Townsend, I don't know if you remember Townsend when he played against us for Spurs in the League Cup. About I do, five, yeah, six years. yeah, yeah. He, he ben was... Elton's love child, he was described as by the Tottenham fans <laughs> on the view from after that. So. That's brilliant. He was uh, he was chucking himself all over the place, and uh, yeah, got quite a lot of abuse from United fans. So I'm, I'm interested how he does, but I mean, yeah, they they do have explosive attackers. A couple of them, uh, they definitely will try and play on the break. I think mm. as it happens, I mean, I think we will be more attacking in this game as well. I mean, as I said, I think we'll go back to the three four two one. Excuse me, three four one two, and Freeman probably starting as the ten. Uh, which I don't know, maybe that plays into Palace's hands a little bit, but also this has to be a game that we try and win. I think I'm not saying yeah. we're definitely going to, but. Yeah, this feels like a game that we should go for, and 
I think we're we're within our rights as fans to say we have a good chance of winning this one. I reckon. Do you, do you think that's fair? I think that's completely fair. I mean, obviously, it's it's concerning that they've won nine away last season, and that's where they're at their peak. But I think with it being the first home game, it'll be a full house, everyone behind them. Yeah, it, I'm not saying we're definitely going to win, like you said, and and I'm not overly confident or anything like that, but. You're not going to get many better chances with everything, how everything's set up. They've obviously got a, a new defence out as well. We're not really sure where Zahar's head out. You know, mm-hmm. it might be the best time to play him. So definitely, any uh, any other changes you think might be made for this one? I think, no, I think I think Freeman will come in for Lundstrom, uh, and I think that'll be it. I think Sharp will be on the bench again. Mm. Could play him at Burnie, but I think he'll start again with Robinson and McGoldrick. What about yourself? Yeah, I, I think probably the same. I, I could see him at Burnie starting, um, just mm. on the basis that we are more likely to be attacking. Yeah. Um, so maybe we don't need those two. Play- I mean, that, that is the thing yeah. you could say. You know, if you've got Freeman, McGoldrick, and Robinson, then are we all? Are they just going to kind of clog up the same? Sort <laughs> yeah, of that, space? that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, but so I could see him at Burnie for. Um, one of their two strikers, but yeah, it's, as I say, it's nice having options, isn't it? I mean, yeah. um, it was uh, FPL Blade was tweeting me this earlier, you know, and he was saying, you know, so many, so many choices up front, and yeah, it's a, it's it's a good step on from when it was Hulse, Weber, and um, and Nardo, yeah, going into two thousand six seven. So yeah, good stuff. Um, yeah. Just quickly before we finish, uh, did you catch the other promoted teams this weekend? And what yeah, did you what, think both, of them? both games. Yeah, did you? I did, yeah. Um, what, did, what did you think of their respective performances? It's difficult because they're obviously against much higher quality opposition than we played, so you can't. Yeah. I don't think it's fair to judge them on those games. I thought Norwich were ridiculously naive, which mm. in the, on the one hand, I think that you've got to give them credit. They went for it, and I think Gary Neville said at half-time, they're going to play like that most games, so why not You know, try it against Liverpool? But he actually, at the same time, said he felt sorry for them because... I mean, they, they, I thought they were just Norwich last season to me. They, they were brilliant going forward, really shaky at the back. I don't think, I mean, it's not surprising. I don't, did they have any new signings playing for him? I'm not sure, actually. Mm, I don't know if no, they're new no, was, no, I think, uh, Yeah, so it's not a surprise that they were exactly the same as the Norwich. Of, they were sort of, I thought they might have maybe gone a little bit more defensive with it being Liverpool, but they didn't, and fair play to them for sticking to the guns. But I think if Liverpool wanted to, they could have probably put eight or nine past them, to be honest. Yeah, I thought they were going to. Uh, yeah, I did. Kinda, they kinda I think they just thought it was like a training game last half an hour. Uh, declared after 50 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, there's a, I, I respect that they went for it in Norwich, but I thought there was also... Their fullbacks were so high. Like, Ridiculous, yeah. You know, Alexander-Arnold was basically stood 10 yards in advance of their left-back. And I just thought that's... I mean, there's being adventurous and then there's being suicidal. Um, and I saw people say they create a lot of chances, they'll cause problems, and, and they did. But whatever you're that high, you're going to cause... You know, you're going to create chances when you're sort of so. I mean, we, it's funny because we've obviously been tipped as the team to be gung ho and we're going to get hit on the break. And, and yet, Norwich obviously set up like that against Liverpool, who are, you know, the second or best team in the Premier League. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it not, not, uh, I'm certainly not one of these like, uh, well, that's Norwich screwed then. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, and, it, and even if they'd lost 8 0, um, I don't think I would be like that either. It's just, uh, yeah, they, they've. They should. They will probably take quite a lot of heart of that from that. To be honest, I mean. Yeah, I think that last half an hour would be the best case scenario for him. Really, after obviously falling all down at half time, you you are thinking, "Whoa, this is this could be yeah. really embarrassing." Well, there's going to be a lot of teams end up like that, and like uh, West Ham did as well. I think this yeah. weekend because yeah, Liverpool and um, Liverpool and City are just another echelon at the moment. It's, yeah. It's, 
It's it's almost scary to see, but it is also uh, quite entertaining to watch when it's not your team on the other end of it. Yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> what did you make uh, of Villa? Well, a weird one, really. I actually thought they defended really, really well. I, I, I get, did, yeah. I, I did. thought they, well, they give up like 31 shots, something like that, but it was almost as though um, Spurs didn't have a clue what they were doing and they were kind of getting shunted into um, poor positions and, and, yeah, struggling to kind of... Do anything, I suppose. Yeah, yeah they, they just seem to be shooting from. I don't know if you remember Garner in the World Cup. About, I think it was not the last one, one before. They just used to shoot from anywhere. And the Tottenham reminded me of that. They were yeah. attempting from ridiculous angles and picking wrong options. And I thought Villa might get through it, but obviously, you know, that class told in the end. Yeah, you're, you're, it was 31 shots. Yeah, flipping out. Yeah, because <laughs> Kane had eight shots in nine minutes, and obviously, uh, yeah. In fact, uh, Ericsson, I was looking at, he had three shots in. Three shots in 25. In fact, he was on the pitch for You're 25 bench, minutes. Yeah. He had three shots and created three chances as well. I think I had, had an assist in there. But yeah, I thought it was... I mean, because the thing, yeah, Villa, you know, we all kind of said they're, they're going to be suspect defensively. Um, and on the one hand, you could say, well, they conceded 31 shots. But yeah, I think they I think they defended pretty well. In a, You know, they were protecting a lead, obviously. So I'm not sure they had a shot themselves in the second half. They properly, um, you know, were penned in. But... Yeah, some some encouraging signs there. I thought. I mean, their goal was it was just a wallop over the top, really. Yeah. When it, it took it a lovely, it, I think, but... very very well taken. <laughs> yeah, a um, little bit of naivety from Grealish. I think it was for the second goal where he sort of tried to yeah, dribble out right, of the yeah, area. Yeah, dwelled on that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean that's how he plays, doesn't he? He's going to yeah. get him plenty of points probably in that fashion. So yeah, uh, quite. Uh, I don't know. I think I think both. Well, all three promoted teams, I think, should... Um... I think they've got the... Let me just check this out. But I think they've uh, got easier games this week as well, haven't they? Um, I think Norwich are home to Newcastle. Newcastle, that's it, yeah. Uh, and Villa, I think, have uh, got a, an easier game as well. Just give me two seconds. Bournemouth, Bournemouth at home, yeah. So, you know, you'd expect both of them to have more of a go at it, obviously. Yeah, well, two games. I, think, uh, I think all three promoted teams are probably targeting wins this weekend, yeah, mm-hmm. with, with full respect to the opposition. So, and Southampton's yeah. got Liverpool this weekend, which is good, because we won't be bottom no matter what happens, you'd have thought. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> at Burnley, so. Lovely stuff. And yeah, maybe a good early shout from you on uh, on Watford as a surprise, surprise bad yeah. team, though. Yeah, I, I, they they look quite poor, didn't it? To be fair, judging by the highlights and yeah, so I've only seen the highlights, but I think it was a, a deserved win for for Brighton anyway. Yep. Yeah, our pick to get relegated, but no, we're not um, we're not jumping the gun. No, no, too game. early. Definitely. All right, mate. Let's uh, let's wrap it up there then. But yeah, I think overall overall very happy with the point. I mean, I know it's a very Sheffield Wednesday thing to be doing, celebrating a draw, but <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I saw there's, Wednesday there's draws actually, and there's draws. Sorry, I saw Wednesday fans say like, oh. It shows something, how, you know, how the harsh realities of the Premier League when you're celebrating a draw at Bournemouth. Like, we can remember what you did. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I think we will, we will absolutely celebrate every single point we get this season. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just just get us to that, that 40 or thereabouts and uh, we'll have had a, a very enjoyable season indeed. But, um, yeah, any any final thoughts, mate? Or all no, done? I, think, I think we've covered it, haven't we? Yeah. I think so. So, yeah, Palace next. Can't wait, but uh, yeah, it's great to um, it's great to get off and running. I think I know it's yeah, only one point, not three. Point. Yeah, and if we can just follow it up with our first win, then uh... Europe. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows where it'll end? All right, cheers, Andrew. People, check you out on Twitter at Panchero and Roy's View from dot com. Are you already 
when, when will the Palace preview be up there? I'll, I'd like to do it, it'll be Thursday or Friday. I like to get enough quotes to make it sort of, you know, I mean, a lot of time the, the, the talk on forums is about the match before up until, you know, a couple of days before the actual, the next mm. game. So people dissect the, the game from the weekend before. So probably Thursday or Friday. So, uh, yeah, what, what was the uh, the view from Bournemouth like for this weekend? They were disappointed with the result. Um, I, I got the feeling they think they can play a lot better hmm. and we can't play much better. That's that's the sort of general feeling that I got. Uh, they were saying, you know, we've got they've got a lot of players out and, and all that sort of stuff. And they were saying Sheffield United were organised, but, you know, and they, they were disappointed. I think that they, they thought it were a poor game of football. A lot of them called it a championship standard game and... I understand it. You're disappointed. You've got a newly promoted side at home, 1-1. One, one. You're not going to be delighted, are you? <laughs> no, I suppose not. I, I actually, that was another encouraging thing I took out of the game is that I think we can play better. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, completely. And that's, like, that's the thing. I mean, I understand that Bournemouth, obviously, one of them did say something along the lines of um, maybe Sheffield United were at the peak or they're actually much better than people are giving credit for. And mm-hmm. I, I do think it's a lot because I don't think that was one of our better performances. I think it were a 7 out of 10. Yeah, no, I'm I'm, uh, I'm definitely with you on that one. So, yeah, hopefully we'll take it to the next stage on uh, on Sunday next week. Yeah. Nice one, mate. Uh, thanks so much for your time. Didn't do an hour and a half this time. It's, uh, <laughs> I think that probably works better for everybody. <laughs> Certainly a bit less fried after it. And, uh, yeah, I'll speak to you soon. Yeah, thank you very much. All See right. you later. Cheers, bye. All right, thanks very much to Andrew. Now time to bring in Jay from theeaglesbeak.com, which is a Crystal Palace fan site. We're going to talk about uh, an insider look into uh, how Palace's summer's gone and what their expectations are for this season. All right, joining me now is Jay Crame from the Eagles Beak Crystal Palace website. Jay, thanks very much for giving up some time to talk to us. Pleasure. How are you doing, Ben? Yeah, very good, thank you. Uh, obviously, first game of the season yesterday, so uh, yeah. both of us both of us off the mark, I suppose. So that's, that's quite yeah. good. We we'll talk, talk a little bit about the Palace game in a second. I mean, um, sure. yeah, it's, it's actually I realised this the other day. We we haven't played you for a very long time. It's uh, eight and a half years, I think. Is it is it that long? I know it's been a while, but um, I didn't realise it was that long. That's yeah, been a while. I yeah. think we kind of um, our clubs kind of diverged around mm. 2011. We obviously. Uh, we went down to League One, and then you went promoted. You got promoted this mm. the season after that, I think. Was it? Yes. Or yeah. yeah. Um, and then, yeah, as we, we were just kind of talking before we started recording, it's uh, seven straight seasons for Palace in the Premier League, yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I guess that's you know that's a pretty successful run. I think. I mean, you haven't finished below fifteenth in that time. I think when I had a quick look, mm. um, yeah, you reached an FA Cup final a few years ago. You got some nice stability under Roy Hodgson now. So, what, what's kind of your your thoughts on that that time as a, being a Palace fan in the last seven years or so? Yeah, it's been great. I mean, we, we know how fickle football can be. It was, you know, we were promoted uh, back in the 2012-13 season and uh, probably probably against, uh, you know, every club has its plan and, you know, fans, you know, want to go up every season. But uh, I think we went up a bit earlier than we expected. Um, you can't time these things, though, and you, you kind of grab it, have to grab it with both hands. And uh, we managed to survive that first season in the Premier League and it's... Uh, haven't really looked back since. You know, we we've kind of been able to you know, spend a bit of money along along the way, um, being a bit careful as well in recent seasons. But um, it, it's it's been it's been great to mix it with the uh, you know the the best players in the world. You know, week in week out for for what's what what is now seven seasons in a row. It's uh, it, it's the longest we've been in the Premier League, um, and 
you know, we've had our ups and downs. We, we've battled against relegation, but I, I think last season was uh, was quite different because we uh, no point in the season where we're in the bottom three. Um, even though uh, several media outlets are reporting that you know we're in a relegation battle, we were never in that bottom three. So we kind of kept ourselves away from it um, or at arm's length at least. So. Um, yeah, seven years seems an awful long time, but it's gone so quick. Uh, mm. Managers have come and gone, players have come and gone, um, and we're in a position now where um, we're having to be a little bit careful as a club. You know, we're not one of the big six. We have to be careful with the finances and, and making sure that we're doing the right thing. And, and I think that's been reflected in, in what's been a, a difficult summer for us. So what do you think to uh, to Roy Hodgson then? Because he seems to have kind of presided over, I guess, a slightly, as an outsider anyway, feel free to correct mm. me, a slightly more <laughs> stable period than um, than you maybe experienced in the previous five or six years. Yeah, I mean, stability is what we needed. Uh, any club in the Premier League needs stability. And you know, I think sometimes owners are too quick to to make a judgment call on a, on a manager. I mean, last year it was good to see Neil Warnock being given the whole season under Cardiff and you know, nearly paid dividends. They, they weren't far off from staying up. So I think mm. um, yeah, we've had uh, a lot of ins and outs and we, we seem to have a similar kind of character in, in, in terms of um, managers, you know, um, so-called dinosaurs. And, you know, we, we, we've had pretty much all of them. Um, Roy Hodgson's come in after the ill-fated appointment of Frank De Boer, which, mm. was, uh, which was very swift and... Um, uh, very much against uh, a, a lot of what we've seen at Palace in in, in, pr- in previous times, and and Roy's come in and, and just done exactly that. He's he, he steadied the ship. Um, he he's he stuck around, and he kind of fits Palace in a way. He he kind of you know he he knows the club, he knows the area, mm. um, and he's and he's a real gent. I mean, he got so much stick, you know, being an England boss, um, and and obviously after that ill-fated uh, exit to to Iceland, but he, you. I mean, people can't speak highly enough of him uh, in and around the club. He's, you know, he speaks so well. Um, you've only got to see the interview he did after uh, after the uh, deadline day the other day uh, outside of our training ground that, you know, did the, the issue around Wilfred Zaha and uh, him hand transfer uh, requesting. You know, Roy was just philosophical about it and uh, was and just spoke, you know, really well. And that's just just what he does. And a lot of people have, you know. A, Criticise him, and it's the same for any manager. I mean, he's he's been he's been pretty slow on uh, making changes in games, uh, substitutes. He's quite late in, in in doing those changes, but I, I think he's he's pretty set in his ways. In that you know the way that he he sets out training during the week, he he works with those players that he's starting the game with, and he, he tries to give him every opportunity to yeah kind of uh, you know do those jobs on the pitch that they've worked on throughout the week and if he has to make a change and it's normally for injury or you know somebody you know um, kind of being tired in the game that sort of thing so I think that's a big thing that fans you know point towards him but to be honest he's done a great job for us you know he kept us up when he uh, took over Frank Ball. you know after those last, the, the first four games uh, first seven games that season actually uh, we hadn't uh, got any points or um, goal, any goals even. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was a, it was a it, it, you kind of thinking as a palace saying seven games without anything and um, luckily the you know the actual rest of the Premier League in terms of you know the bottom half of the table weren't that far away from us so yeah. you know we kind of got away with it that, uh, that season but it, it's been great I mean um, he's used some of his uh, his knowledge. Um, he's working with players that are experienced at this level. Mm. Um, you know, most of the players Palace have brought in generally are players that 
uh, have had experience in a Premier League, um, which is a good thing for me. But obviously, it's uh, you know brings in a whole load of characters and egos as well because mm. they have that experience. But I, I think you know this season we're probably missing one or two players in, in different different areas. But he, he's built a good squad together, and I'm I'm a big fan of Roy's. Since he's come in, you know he, uh, I, I, we've seen a different side of him in, in terms of you know the the, me, the way the media portrayed him at Liverpool, mm. um, the way the media portrayed him and uh, as England boss. Having spoken to you know West Brom fans, Fulham fans. Has absolutely loved him, you know his stint at, at their club. So I think he just fits a, a you know, certain type of club, and you know we're another one of those. I like him a lot. I've uh, I've always liked Hodgson, as you say. He's, I think he's a very good manager, um, and also yeah. as you say, he just always seems like such a nice bloke. So yeah, yeah exactly. I've, uh, I've got a lot of time for him as well. Um, yeah. I mean, you mentioned the, uh, the the elephant in the room there, uh, <laughs> Wilfred Zaha's transfer request. So. Mm. Um, yeah, I, you know, this has been kind of, I, I guess, rumoured that he was going to leave for probably six, seven weeks, something like that. And, you know, you're looking at it as an outsider going, oh, 70 million for Wilfred Zahar. Like, wow, that's that's a load of money. But then mm. you actually think about it, it's like, well, if that's the price of relegation, so if that's the mm. difference between staying up and going down, then he is genuinely worth that much and probably more. Um, I guess the question is like, What's going on here? Because uh, obviously he handed in that transfer request on deadline day. He hasn't gone anywhere. From what I could see, the club basically said, you're not going anywhere. Um, he did not start the game yesterday, but came off the bench. You know, what's, uh, what kind of reception did he get? And what, what's the general feeling about like how, how this has sort of unfolded in the last few weeks? I think there's a lot of disappointment around the club, you know, from the fans because um, you know Will's one of our own. You know, you have that banded around a lot for different players up and down the Premier League and, and leagues. But you know, he started at Palace as a kid. Um, he, he had that ill-fated move to United, which was probably too soon in his career, yeah. as, it, as it turned out. Yeah, he was the last sign in Palace Ferguson before he retired. Um, clearly, wasn't a David Moyes kind of player, um, and, it, and it never really worked out. Um, we took him back. The following January, I think, after he had a, a stint at Cardiff, um, and and since he came back to Palace, he's he's got better and better, and he really has. And every summer, it's been the same. The last two or three summers, it's been a media frenzy on where where's Wilfred Zaha going to go, how much he's going to go for, and it's kind of a bit like tin hat syndrome for Palace fans. Every summer, it's like here we go again, sort of thing. Um, yeah, we obviously sold Aaron Wambasaka quite early in the transfer window to Manchester United, and thinking. You know, just to balance the books and give us a bit more money in the back pocket and uh, you know, to spend a little bit of the summer, we're probably have to going to sell one of them. Um, even though you know, the Premier League does you know, uh, fund a lot, you know, we have a wage bill that we have to make sure uh, we keep under control. Um, but we have, to, you know, we have to kind of uh, you know, make, things, make, make sure things are right. Um, so the feeling was that you know, we were going to keep Wilf. Um, but obviously as the summer went on, there was a lot of... Uh, rumours and uh, media uh, attention on Wilf and uh, I think his uh, his agents were uh, doing a, a bit of a job behind the scenes mm. um, as they do um, and uh, you know feeding different stories and obviously Arsenal were the first team to come in for him um, but it didn't uh, neither well Arsenal and Everton both made a bid but neither were, of them were uh, you know met the the amount that we wanted now there, there's been a lot said about how much we, we value Wilf but I think let's face it you know, they value Wilf at about 100 million. They're saying uh, at the club, but that is what is worth to us. Yeah. You know, I, 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 
it's a, it's a you just can't think about the the volume of money uh, that is you know just as a as a general fan it's it's a ridiculous amount of money and uh, you know we know what football's like uh, now when prices prices are inflated but that is what he is worth to us if we lost Wilf then. Um, you know, we would probably struggle to stay up in the Premier League, and he he is that that player for us. Really, he has been for the last few seasons because he's just got better and better. And it's probably you know it's probably our own fault in a way because we build a team around him every season. You know, he is that player that we give the ball to. He 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 just does he just does what he does. You know, he's so tricky, quick. Um, you know, can turn the sixpence. He's just he's just so good. You know, we haven't seen a player like him. Uh, Palace. I, I mean, I'd be going back a long time to actually compare, you know, some of the talented players that we've seen. Um, but it's you know few and far between, really. So that that amount of money, a lot of fans saying well, he's not worth that money, but to us he is. He is worth that money. I think if the club got a bid of 75, 80 million, then they would accept it. But I think both the bids from Everton and uh, Arsenal were just not in that in that price range. Um, yeah. Do the transfer know? request. Sorry, yeah, Karen. I was just going to say, do you do you think he'll come back into the fold now, or has it just been kind of kicked down the road for four months or so? Um, to be honest, I think he's got to earn his move. I, I think he will go in January uh, or fail in that next summer. So we've got a few months out of Wilf uh, to look forward to because he is he's a brilliant player and, and he got a fantastic ovation when he came on yesterday. Even though he ended that transfer request in, he got the ovation that you know that you can clearly see what Palace fans how, how high they hold him up. Really, um, mm. you know, in terms of uh, you know an icon at the club, he is. Here's a big fish in a small pond. It'll be interesting to see how he would do at a bigger club. Um, I have the view that he will probably end up going to Chelsea to replace Eden Hazard, and I think that would be the best move for him. I really do. Um, you know, it's a London club. They'll have, well, they've got European football this season. I know they're appealing against their uh, January transfer ban. So if they are successful in that, I, I firmly believe they will come in for a bid in January and, uh, you know, to fill that gap they've got. But I, I think, you know, the, the disappointment on his face is clear when he came out to warm up for the game yesterday, but he got such a good ovation. Um, I think he'll just knuckle down and get on with it now. And he, he will just carry on playing. Yeah. Uh, and, and just prove the point that actually you know, I am worth that transfer. I am worth that that money. Uh, to, yeah. So come, come and get me, sort of thing. Um, so as fans, you know, we're disappointed. It, it, it kind of worked out like that. I mean, a lot of Palace fans are you know, quite fuming. You know, was it 24 hours before the deadline? He ends a transfer request. And you're kind of thinking, you know, it's no time to replace him if we do sell him. But the, the owners held firm. You know, this is what we want for him. Didn't get that value valuation, and uh, you know, we managed to hold on to him. So I think, you know, from a Palace fan perspective, we just enjoy. Uh, watching him play uh, until he goes in January or next summer now. Yeah, no, fair enough. I was kind of hoping he'd be in the doghouse for a few weeks and uh, <laughs> not involved next Sunday, but, but never mind. Um, just just quickly, what's your uh, your general thoughts on uh, Palace's transfer activity this summer? Uh, a, a bit disappointing. You know, we haven't filled the the, the, the massive hole that Aaron Wan-Bissaka left behind. I mean, mm. this is a player who... Uh, came onto the scene you know, last season was his first full season in the Premier League. He had a few appearances the season before because of injuries, um, and he never looked back. You know, he he played consecutive games, played the whole of last season. Um, and to be honest, I think we I don't think we got the you know money for him. We probably should have done. I ended up being forty five million. I think that's going to be an absolute steal for United. Even United fans in pre season have been saying how how good he looks, and it's it's a problem. It's been a problem position for them for a, for quite a few mm. years now. Um, and they see him as that that player who you know has that talent to fill that, which which is a real shame. But you know, wish him well. Of course, you know we've got we've got a good fee for him. Probably should have been a bit more, but you know we 
yeah, but it's allowed us to yeah make a few moves. But like I say, I, I think this summer was all about being a bit careful. Um, I know there's a there's a bit of a ownership struggle in the background. We have American owners along with uh, Steve Parrish as the chairman, um, so that there's. I think there's something going on behind the scenes which hasn't allowed us to spend as much money in the summer as we have. But we, we've done all right, actually. Bringing in Gary Cahill was a shrewd uh, shrewd signing, I think. Free transfer. Um, he's got a wealth of experience. We needed a bit of um, uh, support in the back line because Mamadou Sacco and particularly James Tompkins has made a glass. You know, he, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't play the whole season. He always ends up going injury. He's had complications with a. Uh, with an operation in the summer so he's going to miss the opening few weeks of the season Seko is still getting over his knee injury that he missed the last eight games last season mm. um, so it's a bit of a makeshift back line yesterday but uh, they, they, they did alright to be honest and Gary Cahill coming in I mean he's, he's a winner he's an experienced player formerly international I mean you know, what, what can't you like about the guy um, elsewhere we brought in Jordan Ayew uh, he was on loan with us last season he uh, signed for Two and a half million, which which is nothing, is it in, no. in this this day and age? And you know, while he didn't set the world alight last season, he yesterday he played really well for us. He started and uh, and played very well. So he's got a number nine shirt, so that might see a bit of a difference in him. But he, he had a good Afcon. Uh, you know, he played well for Ghana. I think he scored the goal of the competition. Um, so he's a good addition. Uh, Victor Camarasa, we've signed on loan from Real Betis. He was at Cardiff last season. Uh, oh, Cardiff yes. Cardiff fans loved him. Very skillful player. Uh, I think he got an injury uh, over Christmas, so he missed a, missed a few games. But the Cardiff fans can't say a bad word against him. Very, very good players. So we're interested in seeing him. Uh, well, we're looking forward to seeing him playing a Palace shirt. Um, and we also signed James McCarthy. We've already got James McCarthy, yeah, so we just added James McCarthy. Just to make it uh, confusing for commentators. Exactly, exactly. So he's had a he had a terrible injury at Everton. It's one player that we've always been linked with every summer. We've finally got him in, um, just to bolster our midfield. Really, um, elsewhere we just added a, a third goalkeeper, which. Um, I probably wouldn't see much of the season but uh, the legendary Julian Sproni left in the summer uh, after what 12 years I think at the club so um, we just, just need to fill that spot Yeah, who is who is the first choice keeper now? Uh, uh, Gaeta Vincente Gaeta so he, oh, yes, he joined us on a free the summer before uh, played much of last season uh, Hennessy, Wayne Hennessy was our keeper before that, but uh, Gaeta's come in and uh, taken a shirt as we expected. And I think he was the second best goalkeeper in the Liga uh, the season before he left. So, um, so yeah, he's, and he's proved he's a very agile goalkeeper, um, which is something we've needed for a while, to be honest. Lovely stuff. All right, just to finish up then, uh, would you give me a quick prediction for Sunday's game with the Blades? Looking forward to it. I mean, I haven't played Sheffield United for a while, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, welcome back to the Premier League, by the way. It's great Thank to you. see you back. Um, I just saw a quick advert on the TV, actually, with Sheffield United in in there with Brian Dean in there, which I thought was, oh, yeah. was which is a nice touch. Um, uh, really nice touch. Um, yeah, I, I've got fond memories of Sheffield United. I, I, I won't mention the big game at Wembley, um, <laughs> but I, I, I'll tell you a quick story. Actually, I remember that game. Obviously, there watching Palace and Palace won the game. I was flying off on holiday straight from Wembley. Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously, wearing my palace shirt, I walked onto the beach when I got to the resort, and there was a family of Sheffield United fans sitting there as I walked on onto the beach, and they all looked the other way, going, "Ah!" Oh, but but they're a really nice bunch of uh, bunch of fans, and uh, had a, had a lot of good fun during the week, anyway. So, uh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the game. Actually, unfortunately, I can't go um, to make the trip up myself. Um, I was in Sheffield last year for a big event, and love the city. It's a really nice city. Um, I was hoping to uh, to get to the game, but unfortunately not. Um, I'm, it, I, as I said earlier, Palace are much too better suited to play away from home with our pace and uh, and uh, an attack. So 
Um, I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful, a bit like the Fulham game last year, very early in the season, that uh, new promoters side are always difficult propositions for uh, for Premier League sides. You can't underestimate them at all. Uh, but I think with our pace uh, and uh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll cause trouble. Uh, whether Will starts, I don't know, but um, I'm hoping Camarasa gets some time. I, I think it's going to be tight. I'm, I, I, I fancy just to snatch a win, but it's not going to be easy. But uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, it'd be, I'm interested to see how it goes as well because mm. I think we'll be um, yesterday's game against Bournemouth. It was uh, for a while. It was a little bit two teams trying to play on the counter attack thing. That's obviously, yeah. that's obviously very much Bournemouth's strength, and uh, mm. you know we were kind of not not willing to get blown away by that. But I, I think we'll attack more in the home game, which probably yeah, will definitely. play into your hands a little more as well. So yeah, yeah. interesting to see how it goes. Um, mm. Cool. All right, Jay. Thanks so much for uh, for taking the time to talk to us. Um, do you want to just quickly uh, tell people where they can check you out on Twitter and indeed the website address? Yeah, of course. Um, so theeaglespeak.com is, is is where you go online for uh, for our website. We have regular articles articles going up uh, pretty much daily now. We're into the into the new season. Um, so so check the website out. We're on social media all across social media. Uh, Twitter is the main place you can catch us uh, at theeaglespeak. Also on Instagram, same handle, and uh, we have got a Facebook page as well. So uh, we always like to chat to opposition fans. Always good fun uh, talking about games and build up and, and, and post match reaction and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, so yeah, give us a follow and uh, drop us a message. Uh, love to hear from you. Lovely stuff. All right. Well, uh, good luck to Palace for the rest of the season, apart from the next game, obviously. Of course. And, and uh, Sheffield United. Cheers, Ben. <laughs> Thank you. Cheers. <laughs>